Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual, and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. All right, welcome to the You Have a Body podcast, episode 68, interview with Emily Field, whom I'm very excited to get on here. Yeah, woo woo! <laughs> Emily is a registered dietitian, and she's here, you can say hi. Hey. Um, and she lives locally, but we are meeting via Skype. Because it's 7.40 in the morning. And it's very cold. <laughs> we like technology. Yeah. Yeah, technology is great, especially when you're up really early and it's like 20 degrees outside. Yeah. Um, so I'm one of your hosts, Lucia Holly. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. And I'm your other host, Hannah Whitevin, owner of Sulcana Fitness. Today... In the studio, also your buddy. He's yeah, here. PD producer PD is here. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't seen him yet, Emily. Let me show Mm-mm. you. <laughs> Just via Instagram, right? There he oh, is. hey, bud. <laughs> so he's here, being cute and also uncomfortable every time I pick him up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's an integral part to the podcast. Yeah. Um. So before we introduce Emily, Hannah, how was your week? Oh, geez. I'm trying to think if anything even happened this week. Well, one thing that's cool, which you can't um, you can't even listen to right now, because now, by the time you're hearing this, it's Monday, is I'm going to be on NPR later today talking, cool. about, talking about sexual harassment in the theater community. So a little bit mm. different than food and wellness. <laughs> a bit but yeah, I'm also an improviser. Um, and so I'm really involved in improv. And I'm involved with a group called Fair Play, which is like an advocacy organization. And we focus on making more space for women, trans, femme, non-binary improvisers on stages. So I'm going to get interviewed for that today. So I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm extra thankful that you're willing to meet at like early in the morning because our normal <laughs> oh, recording girl. time is when I will be, yeah, <laughs> at NPR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no problem at all. <laughs> um, otherwise, my week has been very nothing yeah nothing has happened what about you what Um, about you i would say my week also falls into the nothing like nothing exciting nothing to report back on whenever i drive over here i'm like all right what what did i do especially this last weekend anything celebrated a friend's birthday that was super fun and then otherwise just kicked it got a lot of work done which is exciting in and of itself so my week has been going pretty well so we're going to introduce emily too um i just feel like we're all old buds, but so it feels yeah. official. But for anyone who doesn't know Emily, so Emily is a real food average dietitian who teaches women a balanced eating approach so they can finally break up with depriving diet behaviors and nonsense food rules for good. Very important. Through flexible dieting and tracking macros and tailoring nutrition around effective exercise, her clients are enjoying more food, feeling stronger, leaner, and more confident than ever before. Emily works one-on-one with clients through online coaching. Um, She's created plenty of digital courses and products and also offers group coaching experiences. And we'll link to her different websites and Instagram handle and all that good stuff in the show notes. Um, So thanks so much for being here, Emily. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, So I think Hannah and I, I mean, Hannah, you can feel free to kind of ask whatever you want, but I'm so curious just how did you become 
an RD. How did you get into nutrition? Because we talk a lot about the nutrition, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. about your journey. Well, it's interesting because I was one of those lucky people in college that just got put in a class and I was like, this is it. Like, this is for me. I I remember claiming on my, you know, when you're in college, you have to like declare your major like super early and you're like, just tell people, you tell your, you know, advisor what you're kind of interested in. And I was like, well, I kind of like this food thing. Let me just put nutrition down. And actually was just so lucky that I did that because if you're not declaring that as a major, you're not going to get into a nutrition class until later on in college because it's just so, um, you know, so popular. So it was freshman year sitting in nutrition 101. And I was like, I love this. I need to be doing this with my life. And I think really what drew me to it in like a career in dietetics or being some, you know, somebody that uses nutrition as therapy for somebody else is the idea that you're helping somebody help themselves. Um, you know, I could have taken, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I could have taken a route with, you know, to be a doctor or a physical therapist or a pharmacist or something like that in the health field because I wanted to help people. And I'm smart enough to put myself through those academics. But at the same time, I knew there was something missing about those fields for me. Um, I just really wanted to, it, it felt um, more powerful for me to empower somebody else to help themselves. So, um, you know, going through college, you know, did the whole nutrition courses thing and then, you know, jumped through all the hoops of becoming a dietitian, which involves an internship. And uh, that was in St. Louis for me, (laughs) St. Louis, Missouri. But um, yeah, I mean, it just was, it was, um, it wasn't until I got out of school that I kind of transitioned into this entrepreneurial world where I was like, I want to do things different than how I've been taught. And, you know, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So, well, now I'm curious about that story. So, yeah. so do you feel like you've kind of strayed pretty far away from what, some of the stuff that you were taught in school and like specifically what? Yeah, well, in school, you know, I, I have come a little bit far um, from what I was taught in the sense that, you know, we are all taught, you know, the hows um, of nutrition and, you know, a bit of the why, but a lot of what's missing in school is the application. And so what I realized was when I'm in, you know, it was during my internship and I'm like, I'm, you know, months away from graduating and supposed to be able to jump into the public and be able to help people. I just felt so lost. I was like, I, I like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to like, I don't know how to help people. It's all this knowledge and all this academics, but I just didn't know how to apply it. And so I kind of just went back to basics. And for me, it was a personal journey as well, because I was, you know, my young 20s and I felt like crap. Like I felt like I was following what I was told in school, um, you know, the general USDA guidelines. And I was just feeling sluggish and bloated and puffy. And I just like never had a lot of I just felt like I suffered from like lack of focus with my academics. I didn't have great energy for my workouts. And I was like, this isn't how I'm supposed to be feeling in my early 20s. <laughs> and I know Lucia has a, a similar story. I don't know much about yours, Hannah, but um, just kind of diving yeah. deep back no, into yourself. Yeah, that's very familiar and being, to me. <laughs> and just being like, well, what's going on? I need to fix this. So I actually wrote about this in a blog on my website, but there was a, a specific moment where I remember taking my grandma's banana bread recipe and just essentially bastardizing it in order to make it in what my thought was healthy standards. So like eliminating a lot of the fat and sugar and making all these replacements. And I just had a meltdown. I was like, this isn't right. Like, what am I doing? So um, a lot of it, uh, a lot of my journey came from, you know, feeling like crap and wanting to feel better. And I arrived at 
you know, kind of weaving through paleo and kind of primal eating. And then I arrived at, um, you know, really nesting in biochemistry. And that's where a lot of my um, approach comes from is how we eat, you know, and how it makes us feel. And a lot of that has to do with biochemistry. And unfortunately, in school, we learn the science around biochemistry, but um, we don't actually kind of apply that in the real world. So, for example, I'll use fat. Um, and this is something that I think you can all relate to. You know, you've definitely heard recommendations from all over the place that we need a low-fat diet and we should reach for low-fat options. However, fat in our meals makes us feel satiated for a reason because it's buffering the kind of the carbohydrates that we eat. It kind of slows down digestion. It has that mouthfeel. That's biochemistry in at work. And so that was, you know, that's a pillar of my foundation to have, you know, my, my foundational approach um, to have balanced eating. It, that includes all three macronutrients in order to feel good and more energized. So it's a, a bit of a snippet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Little dive into it. And so with, with your work, can you explain, I know if people have listened to the podcast before, then they know what macros are, but for anyone who doesn't know what a macro is or what that's short for, can you give a quick overview? Yeah. So macro is short for macronutrients and macronutrients are the large nutrients macro, um, that make up all of our food. So we have proteins, fats, and carbohydrates that make up um, all of our food. And that's what contributes to calories. So when you see on a label that there's, um, you know, calories are energy and it, um, food provides us with energy. It can either come from energy from carbs, energy from fat or energy from protein. And so, you know, from, from, from a lot of standards and you know diets, maybe we would count calories, and other standards we might count macronutrients. And this is just a way to control your energy and therefore manipulate your body size or your athletic performance or your hormones and different things like that. And so, when people are coming to see you, what's what's something that you notice with their macronutrients, or one of the kind of like big big changes that you might initially make with clients? So one of the biggest changes is is probably a sweeping notion to eat more, which is super exciting. Um, most people are told, <laughs> no, most people are told that they need to eat less and move more. And I don't know how many times we've heard that recommendation. And that's just simply how it needs to be. Um, but when somebody comes to me, and most specifically, they're under eating maybe on certain days and overeating their needs on others, uh, maybe by, on purpose or um, by accident, because they are um, just not fueling themselves properly. Um, another thing that's really common is to accidentally be overeating carbohydrates and undereating the other two macronutrients, the protein and the fat. Um, and that just happens by default because a lot of our quote unquote diet foods tend to be higher in carbohydrates and lower in protein and fat. And so that can oftentimes, you know, lead people to want to find me, which is in the sense that they're sluggish, they're lethargic, they're maybe anxious, they're having symptoms of low blood sugar. And that's, um, you know, that's as a result of having maybe um, an imbalance in those macronutrients, high, higher carbs and maybe lower fat and protein than they need. Yeah. I think that's so powerful because that's, that's going to be the basis of what you're eating, right? Quantity. Mm -hmm. And then within that total quantity, so eating more, thank God, mm -hmm. more calories. So you mm -hmm. can have more energy. And then within that, getting that appropriate balance so that energy feels good and sustainable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if either of you have experience with maybe tracking macronutrients or, you know, looking at your own macronutrients to see where they fall in balance. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I spent uh, last, well, I guess it was two years ago now, 
um, I, I cut a weight class. And so Lucia like wrote me basically a program to do that. And it was all based on macros. And we'd started with like just kind of overall calorie intake and then narrowed it down to like, here's exactly what, and here's how many carbs mm-hmm. you can have and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, I have done it before many times. Yeah. I feel like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've also done like, I feel like at this point, because maybe because I work in the fitness and nutrition world, like I've tried everything like keto, I've tried carb cycling. So I feel like, yes, I've tracked macros in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, I think people, um, you know, we have a luxury to be able to say we are um, in a place with our bodies that we can try different things just for the sake of trying it. And not a lot of people are there yet. So I think macronutrient counting or tracking or even just like tracking your food in general can be a great gateway to all this other stuff. Because you're right, like, you know, maybe it starts with looking at overall calories and then we kind of like nudge you up to be more detailed with it and look at macronutrients. And then we nudge you up a little bit when that's going well to try carb cycling or to try intermittent fasting or keto or whatever. And that comes down to how does your body best feel? And I'm sure you know now how your body best feels. It's maybe it is more leaning higher fat or maybe it is leaning higher carb because you're in CrossFit. So it's it's always so much fun to ask someone and then for them to ask themselves, yeah, like, I, you know, I feel better doing this and I want to continue doing this. I'm sure that must be so empowering too, right? Mm-hmm. Even just mm-hmm. that basic idea of like, hey, you can eat more food. Yeah. <laughs> like your body well, and the and signals just, that yeah. you're getting is saying mm-hmm. that I need to eat more food. Yeah, and I think people, and you might have experience with this too, Lucia, with your work, people are so out of touch um, sometimes with how their body feels. And I know your work has a lot to do with that, like, you know, checking in with yourself and like, what is your digestion like? What is your sleep like? What does your, your skin health look like? What's your mood and your mental focus? Because those are all signals, um, or at least signs and symptoms that something might be going well or not going well. Yeah. Do you ever so. do you ever tend to get pushback from clients when because I'm going to guess that quite frequently one of the first things you do is increase those calories. So is that mm-hmm. part of kind of from that like emotional standpoint, is mm-hmm. that challenging for people? It can be. Um, I guess as a practitioner, it's my job to to nudge people gently and to challenge them in the way that they're ready for. So it kind of depends on the client. Um, I guess I would say that one of the methods that I use is reverse dieting. I don't know if you're familiar with this term, but instead of saying you've been under eating, I'm going to throw you 500 to 800 calories more overnight and they're going to probably gain weight and then lose trust in my methods. I might gently nudge them up. Let's get used to eating a hundred more calories a day, maybe 200 more calories today, a, a day. And this is from, from which foods to be doing it. And typically, like I said, it's that pro those, that those proteins and, and healthy fats. So yes, a little bit of nudge back just from the theory standpoint, like, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you, but usually ends up being so rewarding because they are most always like see immediate results. And those results might not be in weight, but it's in those other things. Like your, your digestion is better. Your mood is better. You're sleeping better. You can show up to your workouts with energy. And that is so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. So do you feel like you have uh, are you, do you prescribe to sort of one style or, um, do you have, do you work with some clients who you keep in sort of like a higher fat, lower carb place and then some who are using more carbs as a lever? Like what, how do you Mm -hmm. approach 
each person? Well, I am not a big box company, so you're not going to like throw in all your measurements and then get a prescription back from me. Um, that's just kind of based on your body size and things like that. Um, as somebody that's worked in the field for a while now and I have experience, you know, with real life people, um, you know, it's it's been helpful. Basically, what I look at is a bit of health history, you know, a bit of the activity that they love to do. We're leveraging, obviously, their goals, what they're interested in doing. Some people want to gain mass. Some people want to lose fat. Some people want to, you know, kind of do a mix of both. Um, you know, obviously your your tendencies to want higher carb foods or higher fat foods might play into it. So why would I tell somebody who absolutely loves carbohydrates and like feels great on them to eliminate them? Like why would you go on a low carb diet? So if you know, I use a, a variety of inputs, I guess, in order to create a custom, you know, kind of prescription for somebody. And obviously, that word is used loosely. It's it's something that we're using. We're constantly looking at the feedback your body's giving you and your performance in order to kind of tweak those numbers. Cool. And that I think gets back to that bio individuality, which is mm-hmm. so darn important, and why I think it's so amazing that people can be able to work with someone like you, Emily, right? Mm-hmm. So if they don't feel like they have to go to some big box or online, you know, just mm-hmm. Google Google search and say, all right, I guess I'll, I'll try this or I'll try that because someone's yeah. saying it and they put it on a blog post, so I'll trust mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah, it might kind of makes it's kind of cringy, but at the same time, like if that's your first step into this world, like I get it. I did the same thing. I was like, well, what is this? What does this online calculator say that I need? And I would try the numbers and I'd say, this is just not right for me. And I have enough experience with food to be able to tweak my own numbers. Um, but it was, I, even coaches have coaches and you're a coach and you hired a coach. So, you know, I've hired a coach as well to kind of interpret my signs and symptoms and tell me what I should be doing. And, you know, I think a lot of people, this method wouldn't work at all, you know, because, because maybe it's hyper-focused on numbers and, and, and maybe, um, people feel, um, we're, we're kind of at a juxtaposition between health at every size and intuitive eating and things like that. But, for some people, this can be one of the most cathartic and like ha- like happy places for them because they have a little bit of rails and it encourages them to eat more and eat to the life that they want to lead. So, for example, for weightlifters or for um, CrossFit athletes, they're they need to eat enough calories in order to show up to their you know to their sport of choice that they love. That's offering them a whole other side of their life and joy. So, like if in order to keep this joy going doing this is just a part of that. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Oh, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> no, totally. It's, it's fueling your passion. Mm-hmm. If, if you love that passion, that passion is filling you up. It's like one of your mm-hmm. silos of health, and you want that to mm-hmm. stay full up. What yep. do you have to do to keep it mm-hmm. keep it full up? Aside from showing up, it's got to feel good. Mm-hmm. Let me ask yeah. you a question, and, and I feel like this might be something other people struggle with, but one thing I really struggle with in terms of tracking – macros is that it doesn't feel like I can be as flexible about what what I'm eating like even recipe wise like when I was really tracking hardcore I feel like I was eating plain chicken with like a cup of rice and then a side of vegetable it couldn't I didn't feel like I could make dishes whereas like Mm. I prefer to cook that way where I could make a meal and then like Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to calculate it afterwards so like do you ever do you ever kind of work with people in like a more flexible dieting style or how do you advise people who are struggling with that? Yeah. So on one hand, I'll kind of reframe it for you. The reason why, you know, and I remember following your journey at this time, 
um, you were doing macro tracking was because you wanted to cut a weight class. So yeah. this was like a time in your life where you needed to kind of put your head down and be a little bit more diligent than maybe right now where you're like at maintenance and you're like happy with your weight, you're not competing. So there are times where you go in and out of the stream. And so I always remind people of that. It's like if your goals are by this date, by this meet, that you want to be this weight, and I'm talking mostly to athletes because that's your um, clientele as well, Sometimes you do have to put your head down and you have to maybe eat for the nutrition instead of eating for enjoyment all the time. Right, right. Um, I do encourage people to build in their treats and to build in um, social events to their macros. Maybe by doing that ahead of time, you put it in your diary early and you eat around it because there's nothing like trying to white knuckle yourself through a diet oh, that you yeah, don't enjoy. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. When you're at someone's birthday party and you're like, I yeah. don't like cake or you're trying to convince yourself <laughs> that you don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. So like in those situations, we're absolutely talking about how do you build that into your macros for the day? Because I want you to live your life. And I, you know, if you were to really think back on the time that you were cutting, maybe four weeks out from your, um, from your meat, you could have been a little bit more flexible than you were two weeks out from your meat. Yeah, and absolutely. so there are times where or you're going to be- two days more... when you're just like eating freaking tuna. Tuna and water. Yeah. Because, and like it goes back to what we were just saying, like that meat brings you joy. Like that, that time, that accomplishment brings you something different. And so you're willing to do kind of weird things with your nutrition. It is a weird thing like with your nutrition um, in order to get there. So on the flip side that you're saying, like cooking for enjoyment and social events and because you love it, you know, there's ways around it. We can definitely, you know, I definitely coach my clients through how to put those bulk recipes in a diary and then divide it out. You know, maybe they, they love cooking their family the same like egg bake or, or, or chili or something. And it, they might vary a little bit in the spices or in like the fats and things like that eyeballing it, throwing it in the, in the iFitnessPal and then, you know, or any other app, you, there's ways around it to make it, you know, easily trackable. And so part of my work is not only like the health piece and the nutrition piece and all this, but it's also like the skill of tracking. Like yeah. there is like more education and more like, you know, st you know, more skill in that actual, you know, piece of it. For sure. Like, you, you know, like having your scale out and getting everything yeah. ready to go beforehand. Yeah. And it's a bit of a sacrifice. And, you know, with my clients, you know, I, I see typically, I think the average, I work in three month cycles. So I say, let's focus on a goal for three months, break and decide if we want to continue, if you want to continue on your own kind of DIYing it. But most commonly, I work with people for like this sweet spot of six months, lots of people are longer, some people are shorter. And in that time frame, they're able to learn enough um, to know how much volume of food that they need. They're actually recalibrating their understanding of what portion of food they need to, to supply themselves energy. So like when they're moving on for me, it's not like they're needing to whip out their scale for everything. They've really done a lot of that groundwork to, um, to, to know what a proper portion of protein looks like or to know what a, what a proper portion of cake looks like right. or something like that if you're wanting to fit that in. I think that's what's so beautiful about macros because I, I do think macros, you know, they can be put into that larger idea of calories and counting and that being scary and overwhelming. But really at the end of the day, it's such a beautiful tool for people mm -hmm. to know like, all right, I had my maybe more intensive stint with counting macronutrients and having a goal that I was going towards. And now just like you're saying, I'm able to relax and know when I sat down at a meal, this is enough salmon for me or like, oh, yeah. maybe I need to add on a few more colorful vegetables because that is what historically has helped me feel really good. 
Mm. Well, not only that is like in the work that we I do with people, it's largely improving their metabolism. I think a lot of people want to believe that their metabolism is stagnant and it's just shot. It's just I have a slow one. Like I'm doomed for this. But metabolism is something that can be manipulated. And when you eat more food or you gently nudge up that, you know, I call it like the machine or the fire, you stoke that fire with more food and the proper exercise, you can enjoy so much more food. And then by the time you're done working with me, you're at this place where you're enjoying so much more. You know what your hunger and fullness cues feel like. You know what it feels like when you're eating out of boredom or eating because you're hungry. And that is, that's freeing. Like, that's what I love. I love people to say, I love, my, ultimately my old, my goal is for people to walk away from me and not need another nutritionist ever again, because they know <laughs> what it feels like totally. um, to be fueled well. Um, and I know that in general, your clientele is mostly women, but um, I'm guessing that you've probably worked with men before. And I'm curious yeah. if you've, is there a difference between even that idea of, oh, my metabolism is slow, woe is me? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think um, I think by the time somebody is reaching out, they have recognized that, they're, that they can manipulate their metabolism. So maybe I'm putting out the proper vibe for my brand. <laughs> um, so that's a good thing. Um, so, but yeah, I think, um, generally in general, general women, women believe that they have a slow metabolism or that there are certain, certain foods that cause a slow or fast metabolism, or they have already have an automatic, but I'd say it's pretty equal across the board. People believe they need to do certain things in order to lose weight. So that might be low carb or low calorie or eat the same thing every single day. And I love bashing that whole notion yeah yeah that you need to really starve yourself in order to make it happen my own mom said that recently and I was like mom (laughs) like not only have you taken classes with Lucia you've also like known me for a long time and she's like (laughs) she's like I mean I just don't know how I can lose that extra weight like I'm already down to 1200 calories and I'm like 1200 a day and she's like five nine you know I'm like what are you doing Mm-hmm. She's like, well, that's worked for me before. I'm like, of course, well, yeah. yeah. If you eat like 800 calories or you know a day, you're gonna lose weight, but you're also going to like lose brain ability. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to slowly kill yourself. Like that's what yeah. you're doing. I think that's well, and that's I th- I think um, I was just gonna say like one of the main differences between men and women, and this is something that I see my work going in in the future is how different men and women are from just a hormone perspective and women have a different, we have just, we're just different. And so even at different times of the month, we're maybe more insulin sensitive or more, um, maybe we're, we can recover better. We can PR more in the gym because we're have a different hormone picture going on, but men have the same hormone picture every single day of the whole month. So things that we might do, I, I might do with a man are different uh, than I would do with a woman, you know, even based on just their cycle. And that's pretty exciting work. I don't really hear a lot about that. Yeah. It's, so. Again, it, it puts that power back into people's hands. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're going to, well, for women, right, or female identified people, you're, you're going to change throughout the month. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. We can roll with that and like we can support that those changes because they're great. They're part of your Yeah, body. absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Um we have some questions. Yeah. From viewers. So I'm gonna pull them from up. Viewers. From viewers. <laughs> Listeners might be more appropriate, but I like viewers. Yeah. I like they're I imagine people stories. staring. I imagine yeah, I people staring at the at their radio like ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so 
And you, I think with both of these questions, you know, to some degree, we've probably gone over them. But one question is from Rebecca H. And she says, I'd like to hear more about the ideal ratio, although I'm sure there isn't just one ideal ratio, or why you tweak the ratio in different situations. So is there a starting ratio of macronutrients that you often go to? Yeah. So if I'm just starting with somebody and we don't really have, you know, they don't have, let's say the only reason why I might stray away from this is because somebody um, has a hormone condition like PCOS or they, um, you know, just tend to, they know they do better on higher fat. Maybe I would um, just in general keep their fats high while keeping their, their protein moderate and their carbohydrates moderate. Maybe they have some insulin sensitivity issues, diabetes. That would be another reason why I might keep carbs a little lower. Um, but it really does depend on the choice of activity that they're deciding to do. And I um, I usually work with CrossFit and weightlifters. I, I usually work with people that value strength over skinny, and so they are doing a lot of um, weightlifting and things like that. Um, but I would say that the the kind of the basic macro ratio that I start with is like a even split, 30-30-30. Um, and that depends, obviously we'd figure out where their, their calories are at the moment and maybe where their macros are falling at the moment by having them track food for seven to 10 days in their average diet. So I see kind of what they're doing typically and then we just kind of make adjustments from there. I tell them, you know, here's where you're going to probably have to cut back and here's where you're probably going to have to up it. And then we'll see how it goes. And then depending on, um, you know, what their goals are, we might manipulate from there. Cool. Do you do a lot with uh, nutrient timing as well? With macro That's like the icing on the cake. Like if you don't have like the basics down of like if you're not eating enough food, calories matter a lot. Macronutrient split matters a lot. So those percentages. Um, but ma- nutrient timing is kind of like coming at a, you know, a later date. Maybe if you're preparing for a competition or if you're trying to, uh, you know, achieve some higher level, you know, physique kind of competition, you know, comes when your body fat percentage is pretty low. That's kind of like when it matters. Ah, uh-huh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, nutrient timing kind of, I guess I would lump intermittent fasting into that. And for some, if you don't real, if you don't know, intermittent fasting is just uh, the, the practice of extending your fasting window where you're not eating and narrowing your feeding window. So the time that you are eating. And the only, the only reason why I might bring this up for somebody is if they are, um, like, let's say for Hannah, when she was cutting, it might be more appropriate to limit your feeding window because you get to have larger meals in six or eight hours instead of spreading your meals across 12 hours and having all these mini meals. So that's a preference. It's like not something I use all the time, but some people just like love skipping breathless and breakfast. And it's the same thing Lucia has been talking about. It's like tuning into yourself. Are you somebody that when you start eating, you keep munching throughout the day or, and it would be best if you didn't eat in the morning right. or um do, are you one of those people like me or like you have to eat in the morning or else you will be a hangry monster yeah same <laughs> yep. I'm like what if you love breakfast and then also lunch and dinner <laughs> yeah when you're you like or just so many meals throughout meal. the day we're both over here just like oh <laughs> yeah many yeah. meals many meals i'd rather so have sad. a big one yeah <laughs> but same also would rather just have meals yeah yeah do people ever this is just like a random thought that came up but do people ever um intermittent fast like in the reverse where they where they eat in the morning and then don't eat for the remainder of the day even yes, after like that, working out mm-hmm. yeah that is something that I've, I've never coached somebody in doing that and it's not very very common because most people's life is kind of 
especially if they have kids and a family, like you're, you basically be ending your feeding window, say at like three or four. And that doesn't really give you a lot of quality of life. If you're missing out on dinner with your family yeah. or you're like missing out, all the events happen. Yeah. Anything social is going to happen after yeah. four o'clock. <laughs> so you have to weigh like how possible this is in your lifestyle. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that when you're like seeing people track um, the biggest thing that they are surprised by, like, for example, um, are you noticing people are like finding out their latte is actually, you know, something that there is causing them issues or like, is there a couple of items that stand out to you that people are frequently surprised by? You know, but it's actually kind of opposite. So when people go on a diet, so when they hire me, they kind of do have this mentality of like, I'm diving in, I'm going to go for it. So they have this like, this kind of get up. And so when we start working together, a lot of times the default is to go to plain chicken, vegetables, you know, kind of you know, healthy lean meats, things like that, like limiting their fats. And they all of a sudden realize like how many more, how much volume they need to eat in order to get to the calories or macros that I've recommended for them. So then it becomes this like, oh, wow, I can totally see that when I've gone on a diet, it's not that I've lost weight because it's any healthier or whatever. It's just that it's drastically low calories from what I was doing before. So you get fuller on like a plate full of veggies than you do on like a burger and fries. So our conversation then becomes, well, how can we build in some treats to your day or things that you've been kind of, you know, accidentally or kind of subconsciously like avoiding um, so we can, we can like, we can build that into your day so that you right. can have not only the healthy and the voluminous foods, but you can also enjoy that stuff too. Right. You can have your latte and still like enjoy yeah. your life and right. feel yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you do a really beautiful job of that on your Instagram and we'll link to that in the show notes too, where you show, I mean, Instagram visual. So you show, yeah. all right, here's X amount of food or X amount of calories or macros mm. from you know, like you said, a burger versus here's your big, beautiful honk and salad, same amount of like breakdown of macronutrients and mm -hmm. calories, which one is going to help you feel fuller? Probably the one that's going to take you twice as long to eat because you just have to chew yeah. all that food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say like it's really common. It's probably you guys see this too. It's like it's really common for you, us to be labeling certain foods as healthy. Like we get like um, trail mix, or we get dried fruit, or we get like nuts yeah. and stuff. Like that's where macro tracking is really like a really eye-opening experience for people because they're like, yes, it's healthy. I can eat how much of it I want, but like it's so easy to overeat foods just like I've just described because they take up so little room in your stomach. Right. Yeah, right. It's so easy to like just sit down and eat like a a jar of nut butter. And then mm -hmm. you're like, oops, that's a lot. It's like 150 <laughs> grams of fat. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yes, like, fat yeah. is good. And I love fat. And I want everybody to have a higher fat diet. But um, when you're trying to achieve a certain body composition or athletic performance or weight loss goal, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we look at. Yeah. Um, our other question comes from Elise. And Elise asks, how good is our body at intuitively craving our ideal macro balance? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think we do a really good job of ignoring and like undoing our natural cues. Like, but this is something I, it's tough to get back as an adult. Like I do believe in my methodology and I do believe in flexible dieting as being a bridge to intuitive eating. I truly do. 
Um, but I think we do so much damage to our, and this isn't to no fault of anybody, just, you know, when we're kids been told to finish our plate and to, you know, using food as reward and, you know, eating in a rush, like not sitting down to eat. There are so many instances where we kind of totally ignore our hunger and fullness cues and then therefore, you know, our understanding of what, um, our body needs. So I don't, yeah, I, I feel like. I, I get, I get, um, you know, I get a fair amount of people that say, I know that I crave higher fat foods, or I know that I feel great when I have more carbs, or I, I definitely know I didn't get enough protein. So you can start to pay attention when, once it's going well, you know how well you can feel. Then, um, I think it comes after that. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. It's, you're kind of like giving yourself the permission to tune back into mm-hmm. your body and say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll listen to you. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. You're you know what you're something. doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite tracking app? I love my fitness pal. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a, I like, so I like fat secret as well, which is, I will always say it's a terrible name. It's an absolutely horrible name, but it is a really great app. Um, um, but the, but my fitness pal has such a vast library and has the ability to scan foods and that just, I, again, like tracking in and of itself is a skill and it takes up time and energy. So whatever's easiest and like whatever folds right into your day better, we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like with, especially with the tracking and how it kind of factors into your day, do you end up doing some kind of coaching around people's schedules? Or like you were saying, if someone, you know, skips the family dinner and that feels bad because they have X, Y, or Z goal, do you talk about kind of those bigger, um, like lifestyle concepts? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, part of my coaching practice is obviously, obviously I'm a dietitian and we're coaching around nutrition, but I feel very passionate about behavior change science and what is it that makes people want to change their behavior or can change behavior or change their habits. And that is deeply rooted in social and environmental and like motivation and your skill and things like that. So I'm definitely taking a holistic or rounded approach as to, you know, as to why and tuning into those things too, because at the end of the day, just like I said, when, when I went to school, it's, we're teaching about food and nutrition as a science and like that there's no other drivers for, for new, for going towards certain foods or to eat certain meals. And we obviously know that's not true. Like, like food is so social and cultural and like, there's so many reasons why you would reach for something over another, like maybe even stress or emotion and things like that. So those are the things that I coach on and, you know, we definitely get to the root of why you're choosing certain foods or if it feels good to eat at certain times or in, and yeah, we definitely ask the whys. Awesome. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. With, with that then, and this is just a question I have, do you work with supplements? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> As you know, like I'm a huge gut health fan and I know this is the future of, 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 um, you know, not only the nutrition science, but like medical science, like really looking at the gut, um, and the health of the gut. So a lot of my supplement recommendations are going to come from how do we achieve and maintain a healthy gut flora. So, um, that might be probiotics, that might be collagen, that might be glutamine, that might be, um, certain supplements that promote good flora, um, or putting the flora where it needs to be, like in the case of SIBO or something like that. And then with that, and again, just a geeky question, do you personally have any favorite foods that you feel like for you, just like if you get this food in every week or maybe every mm-hmm. day, what have you, you feel like you're rocking and rolling? A runny yolk. 
a runny yes. yolk. <laughs> I live for a runny yolk. Preach. <laughs> yeah, like it's been the same food for years, but like there's nothing better than a golden, like rich runny yolk. And that's on a burger, that's in a like an omelet or whatever I'm making for breakfast. It's like on top of a salad. I throw it on Chipotle, like literally it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duck eggs. Yes. That's the best thing about really the summer rich. is going to the farmer's market and getting a duck egg. When you crack them, it's like 90% yolk. There's like yeah. barely any of the egg white You're in like, there. Thank you for eliminating the piece. I don't care about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, put a yolk on it. Mm, put a yolk on it. That should be it. Yeah, that's my new hashtag I'll start using. <laughs> put a yolk on it. Yep, <laughs> Um, yeah. Let people know what's what's inside the yolk. I think we all know what's good about an egg yolk, but what's mm-hmm. what's the good stuff in there? Well, just from like the from a basic standpoint, it has have a lot of healthy fat, so that's what's going to keep us fuller longer. And I feel so sad when people come from diets and meal plans that say you know your egg white omelet is or scrambled egg whites is kind of what you need to do in order to lose weight because you're really missing out on the fullness like the mouthfeel of that fat and kind of that's what kind of keeps your energy going throughout the day it sticks with you longer but then from like a micronutrient standpoint just you know niacin and b vitamins and choline which is a rarer mineral um but it's all great for your brain health and so i guess we can usually associate um, fat foods with your brain health and obviously you want to keep your brain healthy so right yeah that seems important (laughs) Yeah. Especially yeah. for the work that you're doing, right? You're, you yeah. get that yolk every day. Mm-hmm. Keep your brain on. Yeah, I think it's it's good. really it's really fun because where I used to be at 23 or 24 feeling so sluggish and like so fatigued and just like lack, had a lack of focus. I was in grad school. Like this is not a time for me to like be like 5 minute attention span. To now where I know that like when I eat a meal, I'm like so fine and satisfied for about four or five hours I would have to maybe if I'm really deep in something have to remind myself to eat and that's such a good feeling for me because yeah I just remember a time where I was jittery and munchy and like I was like jumping up and down to get something and I'm sure we've all kind of experienced this at different times in our life it just like our food was not satisfying for whatever reason maybe lacking in micronutrients maybe lacking in overall calories you know maybe lacking in fat you know things like that Right. Yeah. And some mm-hmm. of the symptoms you just described, where you're just like jumping all over or having to reach for something. I think that can go back to like blood sugar regulation. Yeah. So you're, mm-hmm. you're crashing and yeah. Yeah. Being in grad Highs and lows. Like <laughs> Highs and lows. Chasing the roller coaster all day long. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious, are you, um, are either of you doing anything like in, even in the back of your mind, um, with respect to macronutrients, like you tend to eat higher fat or you are mindful of your protein, like, or is it going on at all in the back of your minds? I, I personally feel like I'm in an interesting place right now, actually, where I was just yesterday thinking like, Oh, I really need to like hit a hard reset because, um, in the spring, I had was dealing with some like body symptoms and did this like hypoallergenic diet to get rid of a lot of the symptoms I was having. And then retesting foods, I figured out like what I can and can't eat. But some of the things I can eat, like I sh- probably shouldn't eat in the quantities I can eat them now. Mm. So I, when I was eating this hypoallergenic style, I was like it was really high fat. Um, but I was also trying not to track so I could just focus on like the healing process. Um, 
But now that some of those carbs can come back in, I'm still eating high fat and now like reintroducing carbs again. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh no, what's happening? So <laughs> My body is growing. Yeah. So yeah. that now I'm trying to figure that out. Like how do I yeah. continue? Because I like that feeling of like all that, the healing that came with it. Um, but I also like the feeling of not feeling totally deprived because I was super deprived on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't even eating like a potato or sweet potato or any of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, now, yep. <laughs> Shift the balance a little yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. The balance yeah. is off now. Yeah. So I've yeah. Been, yeah, I've been, I'm in that place where I'm like, how do I fix this and how do I do it now? Instead of the temptation, I think at the semi years just to wait till the holidays are over. Totally. And like, I, I just genuinely feel like you can enjoy thanksgiving still and like every other day you can focus on the thing you want to do you know yeah i i I totally agree and some one of the most common recommendations that comes out of my mouth right now is just to treat thanksgiving as any other day that you're you're we're basically exposed to an abundance of food literally every single day so it's not like that's any different it's just like sitting on a buffet table instead um so if we if we just you know treat it like a day and it doesn't bleed into the whole week or doesn't bleed into the whole month then we're really going to be okay yeah we don't need to be all bent out of shape and nervous about the holidays. Yeah, exactly. Right. Particularly if your metabolism is in a place where, like, you have a routine and and one day you you are you're overfed, mm-hmm. like your body will deal with that. That's fine. Yeah. And then you go back to yeah. normal. And it's kind of like, hey, I feel pretty good yesterday. I got like yeah. a little bit of extra boost. But <laughs> yeah, maybe you're showing like up burdened. to Sokana and you're kicking it with some, you know, a big leg day. Like yeah. maybe you're putting those good calories to work. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, I do think about macros quite frequently. Um, I play around with them, but I would say it's this last year has been a really interesting journey. I did very strict keto, which I've done before, um, mm-hmm. but hadn't for a long time because I have thyroid considerations and didn't feel great doing no carbohydrate, but went very strict keto for about um, three months in the like January through March last year or this past year. And felt amazing, but I think a lot of what I was responding to was the benefit from a gut health perspective. Mm. And then I stopped the keto when I stopped feeling as good as I had been feeling. And I think for me, as you know, huge gut health nerd, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, what I've taken out are all carbohydrates. And what I'm recognizing is that not all carbohydrates feel good to bring back in. And it, for me, it's not just the quantity, it's the type. Mm-hmm. And so what is okay. really great for me is that more specific carbohydrate diet. So mm-hmm. it's easier to break down carbohydrates and the more complex gut health perspective says, eh, nope, so much. doesn't matter how much. <laughs> so it's been really freeing in the last couple of months to recognize, all right, when I have these certain types of carbohydrates, I actually can bring in a substantial amount of those back in because mm-hmm. As we all talk about kind of the that more emotional part of food or feeling like you're in a point of restriction and it no mm-hmm. longer feels like a learning experience or like it's beneficial, mm-hmm. I think that's a scary point for anyone to get mm-hmm. into. And anyone can. And I was there and right. it doesn't feel good. So mm-hmm. how do you I'm always working on how do you have a abundance mindset? What can you be doing? Absolutely. Yeah, what like the best diet for anyone is eating as much as like without restriction on on most things, like only limiting the things that you know are giving you clear body signals that 
don't work for you. Like that's why like say for example, whole 30 is so um, helpful for a short period of time, but the goal should not to be eating that way for the rest of your life. The goal should be to find out what you are sensitive to and then include more back in, um, you know, and honor that, you know, for, for yourself. So you're doing exactly that. And there's no point in being dogmatic about eating patterns, paleo, primal, you know, whole 30, vegan, vegetarian, things like that. Like if there's no, I guess, no ethical tie to it, you know, you should be eating all the foods that you can in abundance um, and only limiting the things that you know cause some issue for you, whether that's emotional or stressful or like physical problems. Yeah. yeah. A, a whole thousand is not per se better than a whole 30. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> one person, but it's not the end goal is to be prescribing to restriction for mm-hmm. forever, which again, mm-hmm. coming back to our main subject today is what's so beautiful is that these macros are helping to set people free, tune more into their bodies, help them fuel their passions, especially because you do work with so many athletes where they feel really great in that gym or a general athletic setting. How do we help people be themselves and be more of themselves? Absolutely. And let let them eat a donut sometimes. (laughs) What's that? And let them eat a donut sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and feel great and be like, hell yeah, I ate that donut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no guilt or shame or anything tied to it. That's what I love about flexible dieting. Like you can really eliminate that um, garbage feeling that we sometimes tie to food. There's just like no sense or reason for that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you're breaking down barriers every day, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Always. Thank you for hopping on here. We appreciate that. And um, like I said, we have your info in our show notes so people can click the links. But um, just tell us quickly the best place to find you online. You can find me at emilyfieldrd.com. It's my website. Or find me on Instagram like Lucia was talking. I love to post kind of inside you know, the my clients' lives and kind of teach through my concepts and Instagram stories. So you can find me, find me at emilyfieldrd on Instagram. Um, and I'm also, like, I'm an open book on Facebook as well. So you can just search <laughs> my name and find me there too. A huge resource, everyone. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. This yes. Was a fun, very fun episode. Yeah, it was awesome. Fun. I feel like I learned a lot. Good. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. The You Have a Body podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash youhaveabodypodcast. Tweet at us at youhaveabody or find us on Instagram at youhaveabodypodcast. Let us know what's going on with you because guess what? You have a body.